Do you want to exhibit your work? Benson First Friday doesn't exist without artists. BFF will help get you in contact with neighborhood businesses and spaces and guide you through any other help you might need. Start the conversation at BensonFirstFriday.com. BFF is dedicated to supporting the region's emerging and established artists by creating opportunity, exposure, and experiences that help them move forward while enriching the cultural competency of the greater Omaha area. BFF to the arts, BFF to the community, Benson First Friday. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I am Tom Noblock. We have another wonderful, exciting show for you. And I got to do a quick thing here because we have some exciting news and a little bit of a disclaimer for like you know, the good and the bad here. The good is we finally, for the first time in all of our podcasting ventures, are setting up a studio. So we are setting up a studio is kind of the key word there in the fa- in the sense that we kind of have a studio set up enough to record. It's not exactly where we want it to be. It's still a little echoey because, you know, you got to buy a lot of stuff to put up all these foam sound panels. And uh, that takes a lot of time. Ben and I spent pretty much all day yesterday working on it. And we just don't have the whole room covered yet. So I apologize. This episode has a little bit of an echoey quality. It's still better than when we do a live show because we're recording right into our sound system. So there's that. Uh, but, you know, it's not perfect. You can hear me. If I scream in this direction, it's like uh, it's like I'm in a Ricola commercial, you know. So... As for the show today, it's exciting. We have a filmmaker and entrepreneur. And to be honest, to be a filmmaker who's successful in Omaha, you kind of also have to be an entrepreneur. But the person who takes that a little bit more seriously than the rest of us seems to be my guest today, who is Danny Machado. And he also came with Aline Larimore, who's his assistant director. She also does improv at the backline. They're both currently in the middle of production on a new feature film called Chit. That's C-H-I-T. I'm not just cursing at you. Ben and I have made a little, you know, a few too many jokes about that off to the side. So uh, it's called Chit, and it is uh, a true story. It's pretty dark, and it is filming here, and it's something where Danny is trying to do the thing that Ben and I always talk about doing, which is instead of getting kind of qualified to make something and then moving to a bigger city, how about you try to bring some of that artistic energy here to Omaha and... He's making a go of it. He's trying. He's got a real production that's happening. He's even got, like, catering, he said, on his sets, which is crazy. I can't imagine that. That's, like, way beyond us at this point. But we always just, like, buy some food. So he's got a pretty good setup right now. It's a pretty high-profile project as far as they go. And you should definitely check it out. You should definitely support it. He's a very interesting person who's doing a lot of things. He's simultaneously directing a documentary and preparing to produce a stand-up comedy special for charity. He's doing all kinds of things. So he's a very interesting person. You might not have heard of him. This is your chance to get to know both him and Allie a little bit more. So please enjoy that. Please follow them. Uh, Danny's company is Effable Media, so you can find that on social media and follow his movie Chit as more details come out. He intends to be done with it this summer. Premiere details should be coming out uh, within the next few months, actually. So, very exciting stuff. In the meantime, here, enjoy my conversation with Danny Machado and Ali Laramore. Well, I'm Danny Machado, filmmaker, uh, entrepreneur. So. Yeah, and I'm Ali Laramore, and I am the production assistant to this film. And this film is called Chit? Yes. That's how you say it. Okay. C-H-I-T. Yeah. Do you say C-H-I-T, or do you say Chit? 
Well, the name came about and then it just kind of took off and I didn't have an, a chance to change it. I was going for a name that I, when you search it up on Google, it comes up first and uh, it does. So what oh, is the story? How'd you settle on shit? Um, so I was just looking for a name. It, it, the, it's about a mass shooter mm-hmm. um, and he works at a restaurant. So I was looking for something that related to a restaurant that wasn't commonly used. I constantly get asked, what is a chit? Um, and that's a kind of the, where you go to a diner and they write down your order, tear it off, put it on the line for the cook to cook, and then give you the receipt for you to pay. That's what a chit is. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So <laughs> choosing a choosing a name that most people don't use. And how does that connect to what the movie? I mean, other than the fact that he worked at a diner, was there is there some other like metaphorical connection or something, or you just like the way it sounds? I wish there was. <laughs> <laughs> there is not. <laughs> Not yet, at least. Well, and so, I mean, it's subject matter that you don't really see people make movies like that in Nebraska, really. Like, there aren't a whole lot of, first of all, like, true story movies. And of the ones there are, they seem to be, like, documentaries about cowboys or something. You know, uh, <laughs> There's a few of those right now that are out. So how did you settle on the subject matter for this movie? Um, so I've been in the film world for a couple of years now um, in Florida and Colorado. I moved to Omaha almost a year ago now. And I moved here with this concept already. I was, I fell into the hole that is YouTube, and kept watching oh different, boy. <laughs> <laughs> kept watching different um, videos on the Vegas shooter. And as I was watching those videos, there were shots of the concert itself, um, some of the hotel hallway, but not of his room because no cameras in a hotel room. And luckily, <laughs> hopefully. Um, so I thought to myself, this is a compelling story enough that I was watching hours of YouTube videos and how great would it be if I can see what happened inside that room. So it was about trying to figure out how to explain the cameras in the room. And I got really excited about the idea of making a new found footage concept since there aren't too many. I mean, you have your paranormal activity. Recently, the movie Searching came out, which is great, uh, the way that they use found footage. Um, but it's pretty pretty rare to come up with a new concept. Horror films, Blair Witch Project is another one that you find footage, but it's pretty tough to come up with a new concept. So thinking of this was um, pretty exciting. Well, and so, okay, would you describe the movie as kind of like a horror film? I would describe it as a drama thriller. Okay. Not a horror film. And it's sensitive to make a movie about something like this, right? It's been an interesting journey. I have um, some producers... From in town, like uh, Dave Palladino that owns Dino Storage, um, uh, Margo Town owns like a production studio in town as well, and it's been difficult to reconcile the people that like this idea because it's an issue that we should talk about, and then the creatives that are trying to tell a compelling story, and that's the the battle we have at this moment right now. What do you make of the fact that you got drawn into even just like the YouTube videos? Like, what does that say about, I mean, why are we so compelled to stuff like this? I think it's because you don't know how to explain it. And that's been the toughest thing about this script. I, I, we have a lot of ideas of what leads up to it, but not what triggers someone to go from um, rejected or from being hurt or whatever it is that they're going through in their life to deciding to deciding to go do a mass shooting and that's been that that difficult turn to find so i went and did some research um our lead on the project mike burns who does a lot of uh, theatrical productions in town he actually went to la and uh, spoke to a psychologist that specializes in it and so trying to figure out how to tell the story but not 
um, but keep it realistic, I suppose, has been the real challenge. Well, I mean, was there trepidation for you? Or is it something that's kind of scary where it's like, because it's sensitive subject matter that's tragic to so many people, like you, you don't want to, you know, hurt anybody with it, right? right? So it's like, how do you find the right balance and how to tell a story like this? Um, definitely just, I've taken, well, Omaha has been very collaborative, great community here. And a lot of people have come to me with ideas, whether it's go speak to some survivors of the, the mall shooting that happened here in Nebraska, um, or sending me Ted talks of uh, a mother of a mass shooter or someone else did a podcast, a TED talk about, I was almost a mass shooter and trying to listen to their stories and find the common thread in their stories. Uh, What's the common thread that you're finding? They all seem to be rejected. Kind of like that person that you don't pay attention to. In the script, um, the the big word that he uses is that he's always felt uh, invisible. And so feeling invisible, wanting to fit in, wanting to be acknowledged or appreciated and not having that um, and constantly being rejected, eventually it kind of starts to... um, bring you down or kind of crush your spirit and the other common thread is that a lot of them have mental health issues which is something that we briefly touch on in this film so he definitely has some issues we don't specify what it is but he's on some medication and it's been a common thread in a lot of the shootings that i've researched at least so i mean is it so when you say invisible it's like the idea is someone wants to be seen because mm-hmm. they feel like they haven't been up to this point in their life right just just fitting in feeling like you connect with someone um, is something that a lot of people take for granted. You, know, you have your friends and you have all these people, but there's some people that are trying to fit in and just whether they're socially awkward or just insecure or whatever it is, they, they just can't. And they're trying their best. And no matter what they do, it's almost like I just maybe I just don't fit in. Um, and you get probably a lot of suicides from that. And in a way, a mass shooting is a suicide, um, but it's a suicide where you decide to go out, no pun intended, with a bang. And... Um, this is kind of what, what he decides to do. Um, he's a, He has a line in the script where he says you didn't want to, and I'm butchering this, but he didn't want to, you didn't want to see him, and you never will now, but you will remember him. And so just being remembered, um, even though you weren't seen, is, is one way to go out. Do you think that that impulse is broader than that? Like that people can probably relate to the idea of either feeling invisible, wanting to be remembered, wanting to feel some sort of like recognition for something that's obviously not unique to serial killers or not uh, mass murderers or anything even. So like, is that something that you're conscious as you're making it, that it's whatever is driving him is kind of twisted and perverted, but the impulse itself is not completely foreign to anybody. Definitely. And I think that's what makes it relatable. And that's what it's a, it's a fine line between um, watching this and, empathizing with uh, an antagonist or an anti-hero um, so for this I watched Nightcrawler which was a movie that as he was doing negative things I was like but I still like this guy and I spoke to a screenwriting professor out of Florida about it because I couldn't wrap my head around why I liked him and he explained to me that you like him because he's so passionate in the movie he's searching for a passion he's searching for something in direction he finds it and he's so passionate about it that he's willing to do whatever it takes whether it's good or bad, but we kind of like filmmaking. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it's a fine line. Um, and I think when viewers watch it, hopefully they relate to him. Um, hopefully not completely, but, uh, somewhat. What about was taxi driver something you looked at as well? 
I don't think yes huge influence uh, influence in this I had a rehearsal with cast and crew and we watched Taxi Driver actually and that was part of it um, we have a shot where he sets up his cameras and he points the gun at the different cameras in the room just kind of like when um, uh, Robert De Niro points the camera at the mirror so different little little notes like that are in there but huge huge influence Taxi Driver definitely yeah I mean that that's definitely one of those ones where the guy obviously has all kinds of problems and what he wants to do is not something that is like a healthy reaction to anything, but you're so wrapped into it and you just, I mean, you feel a lot of the emotions I feel like that you've been talking about sort of aiming for with the movie. So mm -hmm. maybe this is a good time we can bring you in. So like, how do you help make this vision into a reality actually on set as you're starting to make the movie? Yeah. So basically we've been uh, shooting a lot of different scenes. So I feel like adding my perspective my point of view would be something that uh i've been helping out with a lot because i've, I've been there i know what it's like not to be like a mass shooter or anything but like understanding the mentality at least uh it's good to collaborate with a lot of different people so well and so i mean like to capture some of these ideas visually though is something that's not necessarily that easy even like as you've made stuff i mean like i don't know what sort of projects you've made before i'm guessing probably not a lot of stuff that covers this specific ground right so right. like how do you capture some of these ideas on a set and how do you make it work well obviously we have to have a good director too. well sure yes <laughs> yeah great director to get that there but um a lot of i guess research a lot of time and research into this stuff because it's it's becoming more common and it's sad that we have to like honestly look into that kind of stuff. Um, but, but doing the research and kind of getting that evoking that emotion, like you said earlier, has been a big thing. And have you guys worked together before? No, this is our first time. So how did you get wrapped up into the, into this project? I just met him. <laughs> I do improv down at the back line. Oh so. really? Okay. So, yeah. so this, I assume this movie's not all that funny though, right? So no, <laughs> totally a little bit. No, shift. I know, yeah. right? So, has improv been helpful for you being on set at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes you just have to improv it all, right? Yeah. Well, it's like I found <laughs> I've made movies where every time I write a complete script and I think like, okay, we're gonna make this, we're gonna shoot this script, and I always think we're shooting the script. And then when I talk to actors after we shoot something, they're always like, yeah, you don't really actually stick to the script when we're on set. And it's like, well, I feel like we do. But in order to capture what I had in my head, we almost have to just throw out the script at a certain point. And it's like, we're going to find something that hits the same notes that I wanted to hit. But I can't just shoot exactly what I wrote once I get to set. Because like when you're working on a low budget project in Omaha, sometimes it's like, I don't always know my actors that well. Like we didn't have maybe a ton of time to rehearse or I didn't even get to see the location that much before we shot. And so when I'm in there feeling it, I've found that improv is, I mean, it's not entirely improv, but it's just like that looseness when you get to set where it's like, I'm going to mess with it until I find something I like and not just be rigid about what I thought it would be as I was preparing it. Has that been the case for you guys as you work on it? Well, for me, and I have seen this in Omaha a lot, I've, I've been able to work with, with some other filmmakers here, and you're 100% correct, and it's the feedback I've got from the cast and crew that I'm working with right now where they want to discuss the character, they want to rehearse, they want to, DPs want to see the, the space, um, but they don't get that. Um, I've spent maybe 75% at least of my, of my experiences like union sets and big productions, so... For me, I've hung out with everyone that it's involved individually and had shots with them and collaborated with other projects. I have an actress that teaches at UNO. I, sit, I sat in on her class, acting class, just kind of learning from others. Which actress was that? 
Katie Auden. We've worked with Katie. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we love Katie. Yeah, she's great and, and super talented. So I think, and I don't know if it's ego or what it is or just they're busy, but I think that a lot of directors um, are focused on their project and don't realize that there's other talents on the set. And so I was joking around with a producer um, and during the rehearsals when I, everyone was introducing themselves and I realized that my extras have master's degrees in theater. And I was like, okay, well, you obviously probably have some knowledge that I don't have. So for me, it's been huge to speak to everyone. And I feel like I've given that love and got that in return um, in the sense that they've came to me with some great ideas. They've taught me new things. Their feedback has been great. We did a table read where I went around and got their feedback on their characters, what they thought, how it felt, took notes, went back and rewrote it. Um, so having someone feel like they're... Uh, they have their fingerprint on the project as opposed to like I'm telling your story and that's it and I just got hired to do it um, is huge so that's been really important for me and I've got a lot of good feedback doing that yeah well I think that that collaboration obviously people hear there's different ranges of people who are comfortable with it and who aren't when they're making stuff so I mean like a lot of the actors like someone like Katie I know she's worked with people who are completely collaborative about it and want her input and then people who are just like say the lines you know exactly. and so I mean I don't know. It's like, I guess if you really can predict exactly what it's going to be like when you get to set, maybe you can be one of those types of people. But it's hard to do that, especially unless you have unlimited resources. Well, I don't have unlimited resources, but I mean, the community has been surprisingly supportive. Like Zio's Pizza is a sponsor on this. Um, this is How'd a, that happen? You just <laughs> call up Zio's? You're like, hey, I'm making this uh, this murderer movie. <laughs> Well, um, I had worked on 48 Hour Film Fest. That was the first project okay. I did here in Omaha. I didn't know anyone. I had just moved here. So I joined the random team, and I had met with a producer, Todd Graves, um, who had a film in Omaha Film Festival this year. And he liked the concept, introduced me to someone else. They liked it, and they said, okay, we're going to help you produce this. And they told me to, re I was still doing rewrites, so they said, write it as if you have a limited budget. And so I did. And um, and it, it's great. Like I said, um, Paladino is giving us the location. So we do have an empty apartment that we've been able to check, take pictures of, go with the DP, walk through every shot. So this is one of the rare, and I completely agree with the indie filmmaking be, being really a uh, running gun. But um, there's a lot of puns in this. <laughs> but, uh, you're just in the mindset. Yeah. You're in the middle of it. Um, but um, yeah, this has been a very, this has been the biggest indie production that I've done in the sense that I have all the resources that I need um, catering um, instead of just getting pizzas and little things like that are huge um, we had this thing on our second movie where we were shooting a party scene and there were probably like 20 people there it wasn't a huge cast or anything but we asked our lead actor to order pizzas so that everyone could eat obviously and then he ordered one medium pizza for everybody. And we, I think we had to like go buy another prop or something. So like we weren't even there as that's happening. We get back. It's like, yeah, the pizza's gone. Like three people ate. And so we just had like, that's catering would be nice. That's sometimes. Hot dogs. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, when did you first get into filmmaking though? Where had that all start? Um, I was working. So I grew up in Miami. Mm. Um, I was working as an usher for the Dolphins. And they were shooting an episode of Burn Notice in the Dolphin Stadium. And at that point, I didn't know anything. I was pretty lost about what I wanted to do. Um, Were you a movie buff? Um, I was not. I was. Uh, I grew up in a household where I had to choose between doctor, lawyer, or businessman. Um, I was studying business. So practical stuff. Very practical <laughs> yeah. stuff. Things that get you paid and um, get you a job easily. 
And um, I hadn't, I never was motivated to go into art. So when I was on set, I, I got in as an extra on Burn Notice and a light bulb went off. Like from that moment on, I was like, this is where I belong. And so I kept working on those on Burn Notice. I did a couple, became a production assistant, just networking. And um, then got into Ballers, pa there, was an extra there, finally came out on screen because I would go check the episodes and see, like, man, you know, <laughs> cut me off. Did you get to hang out with the stars at all? I did. I yeah. did. I got to hang out. The one I hung out with the most was Rob Cordroy. Oh, that's I cool. A, I have a scene in Ballers where I pull up a car on the valet driver and he tips me. And there was a scene where he talks to me and I was hoping they'd use that one, but they didn't. <laughs> so, but, uh, did you yeah, hang out yeah. with the people on Bird Notice at all? Um, Fiona very briefly that was I was really early on and I still had that mentality like these are the stars you can't talk to them and I kind of regret that Um, but the only one that I maybe spent some time with in an elevator and then after at the end of the elevator ride was the stunt double for Michael Wesson I forgot his actual name I can't remember the names of people. I was I was basically asking if you hung out with Bruce Campbell at all because I'm a Bruce Campbell fan. That's <laughs> I, all. I wish I okay. did not. <laughs> I wish. So you just like committed to it then? Were you? Yeah. You were like, I'm done with the practical money making yes. roots. I'm just going to throw myself into this. I was still finding myself. So yeah. um, I was having a little bit of success getting into projects, but Florida is not the friendliest place for filmmaking. Um, so I did a couple other things, step up for and things like that, and then uh, watched the movie Into the Wild and was inspired by um christopher mccandless and decided to move to alaska and uh oh wow like really i was i thought you were say like i was inspired to make a movie like that not would, like go live the life i had never been on a plane jumped on a plane my mom told me you're gonna get kidnapped and sold in russia i pulled up google maps and i was like russia is pretty close to alaska maybe she's on to something um i thought about it again and then i was like well i gotta do this so i did it i went to alaska lived there for eight months and during that period i didn't really do anything film related it was just kind of discovering a completely different world and were you like in the wild living in the wild what was what that was that like what'd you do a a town of a thousand i think the biggest eye-opening moment that that you're not in kansas anymore moment was i was walking with headphones on and i saw on the corner of my eye a pickup truck that was stopped in the middle of the road which is the highway but the highway is literally just a two-lane street um and he was stopped and I was like, why is he stopped? And then I look slightly to the left and there's a moose bigger than this pickup truck next to him. <laughs> and he's and he's yelling at me and he tells me that moose is about to ram you. And uh, so, <laughs> so do you want to ride? And I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, so he gave me a ride and I, I didn't listen to headphones anymore there. So I, I wasn't in the city anymore. So, I mean, was that teaching you to be just present and yes, notice things, yes. observe? Huge, present. Um, and it gave me a perspective, growing up in a big city, gave me a perspective of, being happy with a lot less and just finding happiness within community. Um, so from there, I've lived in a lot of small towns um, until I moved to Denver and now Omaha, kind of back to the city, but um, never as big as like Miami and like that hustle and bustle. And I, like I was telling Ali earlier today, because of that, the community is just a lot more open. In Miami, there's there's a lot of gatekeepers and you have to slowly hope that you can crawl your way into something and even then you might not get to where you want to go whereas here people are reaching out um, people want to be involved people want to lend their talents and then even better is that those talents are amazing and there's so many talented people here but not just talented but willing to to collaborate and make projects which is huge especially in, in a town like this as we build the art scene here um, to, to collaborate and work together. Was there a point when you're in Alaska when you're just like, 
All right, I'm ready to go back to civilization. <laughs> I thought I was going to stay there. And I went through a, a true journey in Alaska. At one point, I lived in a tent. I lived in a tent. Um, Did you have a job? Or were you off I, the grid? I, I, w- I was considered... I was off the grid. And then I w- also had a job. I did a little bit of both. Um, but I wasn't prepared for it. I think I didn't... I pitched my first tent. Um so that I could live in it. How'd that go? Was that hard? Were you ready for that? It was easier. Well, YouTube helps. So it was easier than, <laughs> than I thought it would be. That's that's definitely like the modern day Thoreau is like, yeah, I looked on YouTube to figure out how to Big pitch t- my tent <laughs> to go out in the wild. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, Alaska was, was huge. Definitely in informing um, my perspective on, on a lot of things. So you're going to stay there then, like not do movies or anything I assume yeah, I at guess, that point right? I guess You're at like, that point I just wasn't thinking about movies anymore um, I did meet like a National Geographic photographer at a bar because there's like four bars to choose um, <laughs> he was there shooting you know, bears or something but, uh, um, so at that point I was like well maybe I'll do some photography and then I studied photography for a year and a half and um, I got on set and was like shadowing a DP and an AC and then realized this isn't that's not for me um, but it's nice to have that knowledge now, uh, mm-hmm. directing and, and just, I started doing grip work, um, doing a lot of lighting. And, uh, but yeah, in Alaska, I kind of forewent that. I, it wasn't, I hadn't decided that that would be what I would do for a career. I just knew that I loved it. And so you come back and you went to Colorado? I did, yes. Well, then, I traveled around. I lived in Idaho and Tennessee and I somehow ended up in Colorado. What was that? What were you doing when you were just traveling around? Just still getting more experiences, soaking stuff in? Yeah, just experiences, um, odd jobs, and nothing film-related until I moved to Colorado. There I got back into film. I kick-started a project. At that point, I thought I had been on sets, but I hadn't shot anything. And I thought anybody can shoot. Anyone can get in front of a camera and just do things, and then that's a movie. So I learned that I was good at ra- uh, fundraising because I got the funds for this short film, made it. It was terrible. And no one will see it. Um, yeah, I know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, but I learned a valuable lesson, which is it takes just as much effort to make a bad movie as it takes to make a good movie. It, that's a very annoying lesson, though. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be nice if all the bad stuff was just like the people didn't try? I wish. I know. It's like every... I hate that because it's like every movie I've ever, you know, made fun of or complained about had so much passion that went into Definitely. putting it together. Definitely. Um, I almost feel bad about complaining because, I mean, they, I know, they're, yeah. they're trying and they put in just as much effort. Right. Like, I whine about movies way less after I started making some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I defend filmmakers like, you don't know. Maybe that's what he wanted. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it discouraged me, actually, a little bit. In a way, I stopped making films for... Um, two years and I said I'm going to treat this like school and start taking classes and like film classes studying, yeah film okay. classes um, studying and just taking like online classes as well um, I've read probably like at least 40 different books on either writing filmmaking or sorry writing filmmaking or other related things to film, lighting and things like that so I didn't touch a film until I had studied for two years and then at that point now I started filming again. So is this, is this your first feature length movie then? This is yes. I'm working on a documentary at the same time. So, oh okay. So yeah. What's the documentary? It's called Silicon Prairie. Oh okay. I've seen some of the stuff on your Facebook page yes. talking about this. So what's that? What's that project? I mean, what's the um, idea? There? It's just about the tech company in Omaha. Uh, the tech companies in Omaha and uh, the growth and whether it's good or bad for the community. Um, that one's also had a lot of support. We've interviewed AIM Institute. We have an interview with Flywheel, Huddle, um, just big tech companies. Some have straight up said no, like LinkedIn. 
Um, but for the most part, they've been pretty receptive to it. And to me, it was just kind of like when I moved to Omaha, I moved from Denver and I drove from Denver to Omaha and everyone said it's just cornfields out there. And as I was driving for six hours, it was just cornfields. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, OK, like, but I had lived in Alaska. So I was like, this is what it's going to be. OK, it's going to be a small town and I'm going to run through the cornfields and maybe I can make a cool shot running through the cornfields or something. Yeah, but make your Terrence Malick movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then you get to Omaha and it's like, oh, there's buildings. And yeah, our <laughs> cornfields are now like abandoned malls. Basically. Yeah. Well, that's the first mall I went to in Nebraska, actually. I went to the Crossroads Mall <laughs> and I was walking around and I was like, this is this is what I expected. Kind of. <laughs> then I realized it was a Westroads Mall. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're all they're all going that direction at the moment, it seems yeah, like. It's, it's the Internet, I guess. Yeah. Tech companies. Well, okay, so you get to Omaha, and did you have, like, ideas for movies you wanted to make at that point? Definitely. I was already conceptualizing Chit. Um, I have another movie that I'm writing right now, uh, but definitely there's a lot of ideas. There's more ideas than we can keep up with sometimes. Is it hard to be doing a documentary and a feature film at the same time, a narrative film? I believe it would be for most, but one of the benefits of studying business is that I've been able to delegate well and work with a good team so i have like alex avila he schedules everything for the doc and then um matt everson shoots a lot so we'll schedule interviews and kind of go shoot those interviews and just put them away we haven't cut anything together so it's just kind of a side project it feels like a side project that will eventually become a feature and are you editing chit as you go or is that all also waiting until you're also done. waiting. Yeah. So you're going to get to some point, you're going to have them both done and it's just going to be like, Oh boy, I got a lot of footage to go through here. I, yeah. I think that's the life of the editor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but chit will probably be edited first. Um, that would finish first. And the Silicon Perry is just kind of a slowly developing project. No timeline on that. So are you editing that the both of them then, or do you have an editor? I, I mean, the director's always in the editing room, so yeah, right. in, in a way, but I have edit, I have an editor for both, um, the same editor for both, which would be Matthew Everson. Okay, cool. And he does like freelance film, uh, filmmaking around town uh, with uh, like Heard App Films and um, some other companies there. So you're comfortable handing it off to an editor? I mean, obviously you'll be involved still, but you give, you give up some degree of control when you let someone else technically be the editor. Definitely, but I think it's a lot like shooting with a DP. Um, in the sense that like it's collaborative and at the end of the day you're getting your shot but they're just making it better um, sure I mean so, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully if you hire the right person exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah hopefully um, so I'd definitely be it, it's it's a mutual respect between us and that's something that's important in the editing room so um, I think you know we'll see how it goes like you said <laughs> you write a script and then you have a movie it's a different movie than the script so we'll see how that goes I know I'm always confounded by these people who are like yeah it's pretty much what I thought it was You're like I don't get that at all uh, yeah maybe <laughs> if they did everything like if they shot it and I mean like I do most of the stuff like we don't have a big crew on my movies but uh-huh. still it's like so different by the time it's actually made maybe other people just have a different process well I've done quick short films um, I put together just like one in two days two minute short film just to like sharpen the skills um, and I, as I was shooting it, um, I thought to myself, I need a shot list, little things like that. And so taking our time with Chit, which has been um, already like six months since taking on producers, not just not even counting the writing phase and conceptualizing it. So six months in, 
we have a shot list, we have a storyboard. And so we're going in knowing exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. And then um, having an AD that can keep us on track is huge as well. So pre-production. How do you know how to keep them on track? Oh, you got to whip them into shape. Come on. <laughs> got to get some incentives there, right? Like what? Like you give them a cookie? Yeah, of course. I do like cookies. Or coffee, <laughs> something like that. Coffee is just like necessity though. That's like plugging them in. Oxygen. So you True. can turn them on. Yeah. That makes sense. But the cookies, I mean, coffee and cookies. So. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Then, they, then you can dip the cookie in the coffee exactly. and then it's like a combo <laughs> exactly. treat. Some good coaching, definitely. How, yeah. How track. do you do that though? How do you know how to do that? You just got to finesse. That's the, that's yeah. the Where do you get that skill from? What's your okay? Let's 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 get your story. We'll get up <laughs> to it. So, are you from Omaha? Um, I was born in Papillion, but I'm not from here. No. Okay, where are you from? Uh, I grew up in Council Bluffs till like the age of twelve, and okay. then I moved to Indiana for a while. So, like a suburb of Chicago. And did you have filmmaking interests, or was it like improv interests, or what was driving you kind of and where you wanted to go? Well, I definitely do like comedy, and I um, try my hand in like filmmaking. I watch a lot of films, so I guess you can call me a movie buff, but something to get me started in the business because I didn't really know what was out here until I came out here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it started with comedy, though, for sure. Okay. So, which, like, what type of comedy were you drawn to? Oh man, stand up a lot. Like I used to watch a lot of stand up and um I I don't even know what you would consider like Will Forte's like Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh I know that's not like a comedy film itself, but uh, you know, I don't know. All this stuff's kind of a I comedy. laugh I laugh anytime I see him though. Alexander Payne says he considers all his movies comedies. Okay. Even though, like I don't know, they don't miss like they were like funny dramas to me. It's probably right. how I'd categorize them, right. but so you like sort of that understated sort of yeah, comedy? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That that weird humor, mm-hmm. for sure. And so when did you start to actually do like improv or have you tried stand-up as well? Do you do that? No, I'm actually going to try it the, for like the first time and it's going to be really exciting. Like so. at an open mic night? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. We actually have a comedy thing coming up here too, right? I have a lot of projects. Oh, yeah. okay. Let's hear the story. What's that one? We have a comedy thing coming it's up. It's a comedy show for charity. Okay. Like multiple uh, comedians? Yes. Okay. Multiple comedians. I should know which ones but Matthew Wedlock is one of them he's a local comedian Um, so that's gonna happen maybe in June probably at the Apollon Theater Um, yeah it's just for charity that's cool where'd that come from Um, so everyone makes a company and puts a logo in front of their movies and so I did that and building brand awareness. I think it's just the business side. And that's you're just like, I got to do everything. Right. Right. Okay. With the biz, I was like, what can I put together quickly? And it was comedy. Like I don't have to deal with, musicians or anything else like that um as far as like, is it easier to deal with comedians than musicians well, they, all they need is a mic if yeah that, right. and a loud voice okay um, and <laughs> you need to get like an acapella group uh that'd be nice yeah. i haven't met any yet unless right you have here. some skills you have oh okay. sing I us a song uh, right it. now sure uh if you fall i will catch you i'll be waiting <laughs> I think we have our second show. Though. There you yeah, go. Yeah, we got yeah. a second one. We're just going to keep generating ideas for you. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so it's just for charity. There's a charity that's a local one. Again, I should know this, but I do not. Uh, but it's about traffic awareness, like having signs. Um, the kid gets like, hit by a car, and then the charity will get a oh, sign. Oh, that kind of traffic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, they, we're going to raise money for them and uh, tell some jokes. Nice. Okay, that's cool. One. What's that's that one. called? The name of the comedy show? Yeah. The company show. The company is Affable Media. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the goal is just kind of to 
build brand awareness, help out the community, and again, just foster that commu- communal kind of energy going and meeting people in the community is huge. Sure, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you Plus, p- I've been hit by a car, so it reaches to home for it's me. <laughs> <laughs> What's, do you want to tell the story of you getting hit by a car? I'm do you want curious. me to? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, backwoods kind of area where I kind of grew up uh, in, in Chesterton, Indiana. It's actually like the state dune, so I don't know how backwoods it was, but um, I was on my way to a farmer's market, and this lady just hit me. Yeah. Just drove, like she just wasn't looking? And she. I guess I guess you? the sun was in her eyes. It was really bright. Oh. And I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. How bad was it? Um, My head took off her side mirror, so... Oh man! But that's I lived to tell the tale. Was there any serious uh, like injury to you, or was it just like that really hurt? Uh that really hurt. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I had I had a little bit of like brain injury for a little bit. Like oh, man, I got Botox terrible. in the back of my head, and I'm like, ooh, it looks pretty back there now. <laughs> Won't age. Yeah, yeah exactly. Never will <laughs> age. Um, but I had a I had a broken rib. She like denied me medical attention for a little bit. No big deal, you know. What do you mean she denied you medical? She wouldn't let me wave anybody down. She's like, yeah, just keep quiet. Yeah, she's like, just say you fell oh, off, man. and I'm like, uh, okay. Why? <laughs> why? Like, why would I? Yeah, I know. That's like a threat at that point, almost. Yeah, I, exactly. So Jeez. she's like, just tell them you fell off your bike, and I'm like, the tire is all smashed up, but okay. Oh man. Nobody's gonna believe you. <laughs> so you you so then you meet Danny, and you're like, we got to do something for the people getting hit by these old. Exactly. It's a problem. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. So have you done a a comedy routine about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I've got plenty of jokes about how I almost died. (laughs) Well, so why have you not done an open mic night yet? What's what's uh, keeping you from it? Um, I because they're kind of lame and no one listens to you. Yeah, yeah. that's that's basically it. Nobody listens to you. Um, No, I just feeling feeling out which one is going to be the best for me to start at you know well backline does one right uh yeah they do on tuesday nights yeah yep is that where you're gonna go um yeah or down here they have one on mondays too oh yeah the barley street barley street yeah yep. i've done both of those and barley street seemed like the people actually kind of listen to you a little more okay <laughs> my experience with backline was everybody's just like thinking about what their five their four minutes is going to be and yeah so like they're just so in their head there's like three friends of the people who will listen and laugh it's true and no one else is even paying any attention to you oh yeah it's true so. especially with that that blinker in your face you sure, know what i yeah. mean you're in your head because you're like what's gonna happen if that goes off is it a bomb like i know yeah i would <laughs> like i had way too much to do in the four minutes or whatever it was so i'm just like rushing through it and it's like no i should probably just like get a couple good beats but instead i'm just like watching the timer and it's like okay no i gotta I just gotta keep watching that right so right. yeah I, I messed myself up but at least open mic is low stakes like nobody yeah. really cares if you bomb an open mic exactly so you got to start somewhere and yeah. i'm definitely gonna be there why'd you go improv before stand-up Oh, I, I was drawn to Whose Line Is It Anyway? So yeah. uh, Wayne Brady, you know, he's my man. So you do songs then? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, I could like do Like Wayne Brady? Like can you make up a song off the top of your head? Oh, right now? Well, no, no. Like, no like, oh, okay. Not, not like candy, like, candy. <laughs> like, like theoretically, could you? Right, yeah. Oh, okay. um, we, we do some exercises there. So like at the back line itself, um, we've done an exercise where we're making up songs or we kind of switch out songs and stuff. And I think that... It really helps me just like kind of as a creative get that that comedy energy out with it with the song creation. So yeah. We do a lot of different things. We which... should just end the show with a hoedown. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> well no. I don't want to do it. Oh but. come on. You can just do it and then uh, I don't know. Danny, you wanna... out. No? <laughs> We're not very fun. Ben, you want on? No, okay. We're not very fun here. But... Okay. I'm next, sorry. Next time. Mm. <laughs> there are a couple shots. Well, okay. 
So, okay. So you are doing like improv stuff in Omaha. How do you, have you worked on any film productions before? This is my first one. Yeah. So, okay. So how, like you guys meet and then how does, how do you decide that she's the person to babysit you? Um, I try to find skills in people and try to give them an avenue to use those skills as opposed to, I don't know, was I supposed to hire someone maybe? I don't know. She's doing it for (laughs) me. And I'm fun. Yeah, I'm fun. Well, that's, yeah, that's good. That's true. Uh, Sometimes the fun person's bad on set though because everyone wants to laugh. That's true. Yeah, like you have to turn off the funny a little bit. Sometimes it gets to like that serious little, Mm -hmm. little note and... I know how to turn it on and off, though. It's good. It's and good. you could just sense that she had that quality? I Yeah, I need a fun set. I like a fun set. I mean, a lot of people are volunteering their time, so you gotta, it doesn't it shouldn't feel like a job. I've been on sets that are grueling just to get through like a 17-hour day on an indie set for free, and then you have to do it again the next day, and it's like it feels like a job, and it's not fun anymore. So you got to have fun. Gotta yeah. have fun. I've had, even in the rehearsals, I had Matt Wedlock, who's an actor in this, do a little little stand up for the casting crew just to keep it keep it fun that's a good idea uh i feel like on our specific movies it's been like we all get so tired about you know you know eight or nine hours in if we're doing a long day that it's like somebody could be making jokes the whole time and we like we might acknowledge that they made a joke and like yeah 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 so i appreciate you trying to be funny here but uh, we got to keep doing stuff yeah definitely i mean you got to get things you got to get the shot so mm-hmm. you're focused on that but it's got to be fun still I feel like a lot of small movies don't have an assistant director. Was it ever something for you where you tried to do it by yourself and you're like, eh, I need somebody? Um, this is one of those movies where I've had whatever I thought I needed and then I can get it. So that's why I just, so I was, uh, a lot of it takes place in his apartment. And so I looked at the apartment and said, we're going to need a set dresser. And then I can message my producer. I'm lucky enough to be able to message, send a text message and say, hey, we need a set designer. And then a day later, they're like, how about this person? And get that. So I've been able to look at the call sheet, or the casting crew, and say, this is what's missing. Um, so I have a couple. I have a script supervisor. Never worked with one before. Those are completely necessary on set, I yeah. think. I mean, we, one. we rarely actually have like a person whose job is to do that the whole time. It's yeah. Usually it's like whoever doesn't have something to do at right. the moment is script supervisor. You wear so many hats in indie filmmaking. Right. So I, I plan to probably set up some cookies take out the trash well I mean like I've found it's hard even as a director to know that you got all the lines even sometimes because you're just focusing on so many things exactly and and exactly and um, that's that's why it's going to be huge to have a script supervisor I haven't worked with an assistant director before but working with such a large team and I do tend to get distracted and as a director you're thinking about a million different things plus the next scene and all the things that go into that scene um, so it's huge. Yeah. I think it's going to be super helpful, but it'll be my first time. So we'll see how that works. Well, have you guys actually started filming? Officially? We have. We okay. Yeah. Our, our last scene was at the Omaha police department. Um, and we shot with some local police, which was interesting having to direct cops. I, I, went, I was setting up the shot with the DP the shot was looking good and the cops are talking and I was like, Yes, I'm the director, but I need to go tell those officers what to do now. And uh, uh, that was interesting. For the first time, they weren't telling me what to do. So. <laughs> Did they take direction well? They were amazing. Oh, nice. They were really good. They were um, super excited. Um, I, some of them had other talents. One of them was in a band that was like semi-successful. Um, and they were very receptive to it, very excited for the idea, which I was excited for, especially since it's such a sensitive 
subject. I didn't mm-hmm. think that they would be open to this, but they we were able to shoot in there where they give actual press conferences. So it was set up. We didn't even use any lights. They just had the lights set up, um, and it was it was cool. They were the Darcy Tierney, who is a lieutenant and is retiring now. She was the one giving the press conference speech. And she was a natural. I don't know if she's done it before in real life or what, but... Uh. That's one of the things. So we've worked a couple times with people where it's like, uh, we had like a mechanic play a mechanic. So it's yeah. just like some guy who's never acted before in his life. And you never know if they're going to be like the camera shy, like, I don't know what to do now. Or they can just literally do what they do exactly. if they were just at work that day. Yeah. And it's always nice when you get somebody who can just be themselves at work. And they're yeah. like, I don't really care. Yeah, I know it's fake and you have a camera, but whatever. I'm just me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. Um, and it was yeah, great working with them. Great shot there. And um, and then we have a couple. Well, it'll be wrapped by the end of this month, hopefully. Yeah. Nice. How long is the script? Um, it keeps changing. Uh, keeps oh, changing. you're changing it as you film? So, yes, uh, mostly the ending has been changing a little bit. Um, like I said, the conflict has been how much can we humanize him? And I was I was saying nobody's... My argument was no, no one watches a superhero movie and goes to the streets and pretends to be a superhero. And then my producer sent me a link from like a couple of days ago of this guy that dressed up like Batman <laughs> and, and, and went to a crime scene and was, went to the cops. I was like, oh, can I help? So I was like, huh, okay. This guy must not be a Batman <laughs> fan if he goes to the cops and is like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Put me in, coach. Yeah, um, yeah so it's been, uh, it's been a challenge. It's trying to balance, uh, balance opinions. Uh, do you there. trust yourself making script changes in the middle of filming when it's like, I had what I thought this movie was before we started filming. Now that we've started to film it, I can kind of see what it's turning into. Mm-hmm. And then you have that struggle between I like sensing what I think it's moving more toward. Maybe I want to make substantial changes, but also whatever my original vision was was something I was happy with. And maybe like I, I just lived with that longer and I know I'm happy with that. So do you feel any tension between what you originally wanted and where you think it might go from here in terms of changes? Um, well, two things. We've only shot scenes that aren't being changed, like the police scene um, and just like simple scenes. We haven't mm-hmm. gotten into the meat of the story yet, so I'm not in a position where I'm writing what I'm shooting. Okay. Um, I I would prefer not to be on set writing. I know. That sounds terrible. Yeah, that sounds terrible. So that, and it just it doesn't work. I don't think that would work. It sounds very difficult. Probably not for this kind of movie. Yeah. You know, like Seth Rogen can handle it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah like a comedy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. Um, but, um, so I'm not writing as I'm shooting. I'm not writing those scenes. Uh, should be ready when I get to that, to the meat of it. But, um, as far as whether it ends up what, like what I wanted, I think the huge thing has again been the collaboration. Um, I got Sai Chilara who's been in a couple film festivals and he read the script, had feedback and his feedback was a lot of the things that were in my original script that I dropped when I was outvoted by producers. And I was like, I knew that was right. Um, So collaborating with other creatives has kind of kept the vision, which lets me know that I was on the right track. So just asking people, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And was there trepidation for you to take on something like this when you hadn't done a project like this before? I mean, there's an initial kind of nervousness to it, but I stayed open-minded through the whole thing, and that really helped. 
you were just like, okay, I can handle this. You right. just, I, knew, I know I have it in me. Bring it on. I'll figure it out. Exactly. That's you, so helpful on a film set. Once you have that spark, I mean, if you have that spark, I feel like you can follow it, right? If you take direction well. So you need somebody like that. And I'm your person. Does this make you want to explore more filmmaking possibilities? Absolutely. You're going to write and direct something next? Uh, yeah. That he's going to be your AD and give uh, you cookies? Exactly. I'll, I'll I can bake some good cookies. Yeah. That's what kind of cookies do you like to bake? Oh, it depends what I buy in the store. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I just open up the package and read the instructions. But I bake them. Though. What's your favorite Sometimes. type of cookie? Definitely macadamia nut cookies. Yeah, that's the right answer, I think. What, you on board with this? No. Oh. I used to work at a cookie shop, too. So they had these like s'more cookies that had chocolate on the inside. Mm. You can't get any better than that. How do you make that, though? Like, How do you, do you make do you it? you put the marshmallow inside Oh, yeah. It? Marshmallow, graham crackers. You just like bake it with marshmallow inside? Mm-hmm. Mm, that sounds pretty good, too. Yeah. Now you see why she got the job. Yeah. <laughs> was this what the interview process was like? It's, like, it's just a, a lineup of cookies. Yeah, which, <laughs> pick which one. To, yeah. And then that's, how, that's, the, that's the audition process. Bring Uh-oh. cookies. So, okay, your lead actor, Mike, what's his last name? Burns. Okay, so Mr. I've Burns. I've seen him in Level Up, which mm-hmm. just came out. Yes. I didn't I wasn't really aware of him before that. You said he does plays and things? Yeah, he's a paid actor. Okay. He's um performing at a theater in town and I uh, believe he's it's, he's performing the Kingsman, I think it's called. Okay. Which uh, theater is that? Do you know which one? Um I want to say it's a theater downtown, but not the Orpheum. The Blue Barn, maybe? Yes, yes, okay. yes, the Blue Barn, exactly. So he's performing there at the Blue Barn. He did a radio show at Benson B-Side recently, um, and I think he got an award because he told me he was in L.A., and he went. He had to fly to Vegas to get that award, a radio award, and uh, back to L.A. So he's... Um, He's definitely at the precipice of uh, moving on to bigger things. And that's, I think, part part of the issue with small towns. People pick up their talents and leave. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's kind of at that crossroads. So being able to bring these type of productions to Omaha, it's huge in keeping the talent that's in Omaha. Right. And I mean, I've found that working with trained theater actors is really nice if you're trying to run a very efficient set because they are prepared when they get there. Oh, it's amazing. He, He sent me, I sent him the script and he sent me a message saying, can we talk about the script? And that's all it said. And I was like, he hates it. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's dropping out. Why couldn't he just text me what he has to say? Why does he have to get together? It was going to be like a breakup. Um, <laughs> so, but it, uh, he, I went and I met with him and he came with the script printed. Notes, little, little uh, stickers on the script and went through every single page asking why and what do you think about this? And just we went the entire script. I chose a bar, so I was like two, three drinks deep. I didn't know. I thought we were just having a conversation. You were already preparing. You were coping with the breakup. Exactly. Yeah. And then he comes and <laughs> just wants to have a normal conversation. I warned the bartender, if you see me crying, just, it's, it's normal. Um, but uh, You called yeah. for cookies. <laughs> well, definitely need some cookies. Yeah. yeah. Right. Came through. Um, but yeah, he, he went through it in a way that I'd never worked with an actor that goes to their character that way he messaged me the other day and like i said he met up with a psychologist to explore his character um he asked me details that i didn't think of like what city is he from and then i went and researched a city in iowa i think i ended up with um it's a lake it's some sort of lake i wanted to choose carter lake but it was too close to omaha okay uh, for the story because it's kind of in between iowa and omaha and their story where they never really belonged, so it kind of reflected the character, but mm-hmm. it just couldn't choose that one. But um, yeah, uh, working with him has helped develop the character, 
help develop the story and again like giving them the time like you said a lot of times you don't even have a rehearsal with your actors but actually taking the time to talk to the actors have these rehearsals has added to the script added to the story and just really filled it out so working with theater actors has been great so well far. and did you do like an audition process to find your cast yes or, okay two, two audition process two auditions um one we had we were going to have three but there was a snowstorm for one of them but um the first one was at um scooters coffee in northern north omaha and the second one was at the landmark office in downtown omaha at scooters where they just like screaming lines and you're just like it's okay everybody it's just uh just an audition <laughs> so the night again the producers they they're friends with owners so the owner he reached out to the owner of the coffee uh, shop and got permission for that nice um, same okay. thing with zeals the friends with the owner they reached out um and then the landmark <laughs> Uh, Paladino is a producer on this, so he's like, yeah, you can use my offices for that. So it's probably something where it's it's actually not like impossible to get them to do that. I've always been in the situation where I'm just like, I don't want to bother them. Like, I don't want to ask them to shut the place down. Like, yeah. I'll just like hush them in the back or something. Right, and that would be my approach. But you know, I've been lucky enough to to be able to do that. So I got a, a lot of people showed up to both auditions, but there was only one option for the lead. Like, we we actually didn't have a lead. We were looking for a name actor originally. And um, that was the plan, but we didn't end up getting one. So, um, and I'm glad. I think Mike Burns, uh, his his audition. As soon as he auditioned, we knew he was the the character. And I think a big thing is that maybe it's his training that he was able to read between the lines and read with his body language, read things that weren't even written, but we wanted to portray. And that was huge. So it's been great. And same thing with Katie Auden. She's also like a theater actress. Um, so uh, they've, aside from my direction, I texted one of them and uh, about something unrelated and they're like, I'm actually, we're actually together right now. So having the cast hang out and they're to get, they were together to run through lines together and discuss their characters completely separate from what I t told them to do or anything. But that's how passionate they've been about this script and this story. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, theater actors, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we yeah, we ranged from working with, like, complete non-actors to theater actors to some, like, film actors and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, definitely, it's nice when they show up and they know their lines. So, Huge. between non-actors and those people, it's definitely uh, where, where I would veer. We tend to rely on people who've done plays before. That's why I don't act. I mean, I've worked, I've worked with too much, too much memorization. I've worked with uh, actors that know everyone's lines. Like, they have a small role, and they know the script so well, and I don't know the next line, and I have to ask that person. Like, so what that's, what, yeah, that, that's what I mean by why you need a script supervisor sometimes, exactly. because otherwise you're relying on your actors a lot of the time. Yeah, like, was time. that the whole scene? Did we get all that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's been great working with him. He's been amazing. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, you've got it all put together, or you're in the middle of putting it together. I mean, and you're, you're happy with it. You're like, you're, you seem like you're pretty calm about the whole thing. You're not freaking out at the moment. So it's going okay. It's going well. It's going well, uh, but a lot of fires to put out. And, That's just directing, uh, though, isn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah. it's constant putting out fires. And getting everyone together has been a huge challenge, especially when you're working with people that are already working. Mm hmm their regular jobs or, or like in Mike's case, like he is in a theater uh, production. So they have, I didn't realize that theater actors had so much rehearsal. Like it's like a full time job. Um, so trying to work around that has been a challenge, getting everyone at the same, in the, in place at the right time. And that's probably a big challenge that we're going through right now, actually. But you're planning to be done shooting this summer or before summer? We will be done shooting by May. Nice. Okay. And Excellent. then what's the, what's it look like after that? Where does it go from here? 
editing um, and then it would be film festivals and we have some interest from a distribution company in Colorado. Nice. Um, so shopping it around at some point. So when do you intend to have it done? Completely this summer, for sure. That um, soon, really? Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, How do you do that that fast? Passion. Dedication. <laughs> long, Yeah, long days. Are you going to yeah. stick around and uh, whip them into shape during editing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotta be in the room. <laughs> course yeah you really need cookies during editing yeah yeah you eat way too much during editing it's like oh man i'm just sitting here like i'm just stressed because it doesn't look right it's gonna be like the, the cookie podcast <laughs> filmmaking and cookies that's yeah that sounds good actually though i mean yeah. you, you, we need to get more cookies on our sets i think we don't have that for yeah. sure that's true um <laughs> but yeah it's it's a quick turnaround it might take a little bit longer um again schedules so the person i'm editing with has a busy schedule as well so i could see it definitely summer but it could be end of summer is it having an original score it does yeah. it does um i have a composer out of denver as well um kyle throw and he's uh, composing our score so definitely is he he's composing now as you're filming or is it uh, no after? Okay. it'll be after it'll be after but um he doesn't have too much on his plate right now so he should be completely focused on this and we've con we've considered finding a local band for a scene where they play like practical music in the in the scene um we haven't done a hard search yet but that would be nice to be able to bring in a, some more local talent walking around benson there's so much music here oh, yeah. and i i live um near midtown so I, have, I haven't spent too much time in benson but i love it i mean there's so much art in this area um that it'd be great and, and i was telling her um telling ali that i'm not familiar with the music world in omaha and that's just a completely new world and i've got it started to get my feet wet with the theater world and that's completely new as well so i mean there's so much art i went to hot shops the other day and then there's that type of art and so there's so much art in omaha that it's it's hard to learn everything but definitely getting into the music scene since film and music is so collaborative and everyone's so eager to help generally if you actually ask them to definitely which is amazing yeah like it's so easy to get in the mindset where it's like they don't care they don't want to do it yeah. and then like you ask them they're like oh yeah that sounds great super excited. <laughs> yeah definitely so yeah uh original score and, and hopefully uh, some local music as well so that's incredibly exciting. So you'd be done by summer. Would you do some kind of premiere event? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Um, we haven't found, or we haven't looked for a specific theater yet, but probably something in the area, Xarbin, or seems like a lot of uh, filmmakers go there. Yeah, we've um, done a few premieres there. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a ton of theaters here that, for the most part, are willing to cooperate at least. Yeah, see, I haven't gone through that uh, step yet, but um, the goal would be to definitely screen it. Okay. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Then uh, are you going to do some improv with Allie then? Um, maybe. You maybe. guys, should, let's, yeah. we could do a little, uh, do what, what kind of improv, uh, you know, little sketch can we do right now? We, we can got throw, some like long form stuff. We Just can throw Danny into something. Go ahead and give me a suggestion. Give me one word. Ben, give me a, give us a word. Um, highlighters. 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 Okay. So when I think about highlighters, I, I remember, you know, throughout high school, using them to make marks and Dilate, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll just uh, tell you a quick story about how this highlighter is going to be the highlight of your day, right? Is Danny going to jump in at some point? Yeah, you is, can. Okay. I've never done this before. When, what do I say? When am I, am oh, I you just, just heighten it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, you just heighten it. So I'll, I'll try. Hey, can I borrow your highlighter? One dollar. One dollar? You $1. raised the price from last week. They're in demand. Everyone wants one. Okay. Uh, what colors you got this time? Today we only have pink. No one wants to buy those. That's why they're Why? There. Because 
you can't are you are you highlighter racist (laughs) a little bit a little bit yellow is just so common (sighs) uh, so one dollar one dollar there's a line there's a line one dollar i'm not gonna pay you one dollar for this highlighter i take bitcoin you be, you have Bitcoin. I can take okay, it. Okay, all right. I do accept Bitcoin. So one Bitcoin, one highlighter. That's Seems the, like a fair deal. That's the conversion rate. Okay. That was great. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks so much for being on the show, man. <laughs> Thanks. Riverside Chats is hosted by me, Tom Noblock. I produce the show along with Ben Matukowicz through our company, Exarbin Creative. We are now housed and sponsored by Benson First Friday. You can check out everything we're doing at exarbincreative.com. And check out Benson First Friday at BensonFirstFriday.com. Please subscribe to our show on whatever your favorite podcast app might be. Follow us on social media. Give us a review. We appreciate it. It helps us keep this thing going. Thank you, of course, for listening. We will be back next week with another great interview with a local amazing person doing fascinating things. Don't think we're all boring here. We're not. And thanks for listening again.